This episode of the Early Risers podcast is sponsored by the 5-Day Peak Performance Challenge. Guys and girls, if you are an entrepreneur or high performer struggling with poor focus, low energy, or no time, or maybe you're just looking to push yourself and level up your mental clarity and your daily performance without caffeine or other types of drugs, make sure to check out this challenge. In just five days, you're going to learn how to explode your daily energy, focus, and time, propel yourself into a deeper and more restful sleep, and build massive productivity and momentum in your life. People have been loving this challenge so far, and if you're ready to commit to taking things to that next level, make sure you check out the show notes for the link to join. Five days, five different ways to explode your performance. Make sure you check it out. And with that being said, let's get into the show. What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Early Risers podcast. I'm your host, Skylar Deem, and I am an early riser. Listen, if you are a first-time listener to the show, I would just like to take a moment and welcome you. This show is all about helping you live a more effective life, and it's called the Early Risers podcast because I truly believe that someone who is an early riser is someone who's focused on living life more effectively. Now, to be an early riser, you don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., 7 a.m., even 8 a.m., but all you have to do is wake up a little bit earlier than you normally would and use that extra time for uninterrupted personal development. This isn't about taking massive strides every day. It's about the little things daily that you do in the morning or really any time throughout the day that benefits your life in the long term. So if you are coming back to the show, just welcome, of course. Great to have you back. Uh, I'm very, very excited for today's episode. We have an incredible guest, just such amazing insights. In this episode, we talk about nutrition mindset, really the thinking behind eating healthy, right? How do you avoid cravings? How do you avoid impulse eating? How do you avoid late night snacking? And this guest, I cannot emphasize how amazing he was, how insightful his knowledge base was, and how really fluid his way to communicate these concepts across to us was. So I'm really, really excited for today's episode. Before we begin, if you are a longtime listener or even if this is your first episode and you get some sort of value out of this, all I ask is that you head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. I put a lot of time, a lot of effort into this show. It's completely free. I'm not asking for money. All I'm asking that is if you get something out of this, head over to iTunes and do that for us. And then in return, once the show is ranked higher, we can also bring on more incredible guests like the one we have on today. So again, I appreciate you all for being here. I hope you're ready to enjoy a amazing, amazing episode. And with that being said, let's get into the show. So today's special guest is Daniel Thomas Hines. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Evolution Eat, a transformational health coaching company that helps high performers master their diets and build healthy eating habits that last forever. A student of self-mastery, world-class coach, and serial entrepreneur, Daniel has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs become peak performers while building and selling a number of businesses over his career. And I'm crazy excited to have Daniel on the show today just because I love his message and I love what he's teaching and I know that a lot of people need it. So Daniel, welcome to the show. Skylar, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I appreciate you coming on and I would love if you could just start us off by sharing a little bit about yourself. Um, You have a pretty interesting story and uh, there's definitely a lot of life lessons in there. So yeah, if you just want to kind of speak on where you come from. Woof. Yeah. Where to, where to begin? Um, Well, I've been doing this entrepreneur thing for uh, for about seven years now. Um, my journey uh, towards this down this path was one that a lot of millennials, I think, come to uh, when they decide this life path for themselves. Which is that um, I was a professional. For me, I was a. Pro- what they what most people come to realize is that the life that they had been promised or had worked towards um, wasn't going to deliver uh, on those expectations and so for me 
I was a professional academic growing up. Um, I didn't have a lot of like rules around the home, uh, but the one thing that I did have was a contract with my parents to be like an, an exceptional student. Mm. And I was praised for my intellect from a very young age, since for, for as long as I can remember. And I was rewarded for that. I, I accomplished a lot within that domain. And I uh, went to one of those quote unquote special high schools. Uh, it was like all scholarship. Uh, it was a big deal um, in for for where I grew up to be accepted into this this school, and then I went on to Georgetown. Was going to become a lawyer. That was always the path that I kind of defaulted into because I was a really good writer, kind of charismatic, could make a lot of arguments, you know. And um, when it got to the point to choose, like, what do you actually want to do? I was paralyzed with with fear because I knew that doing that would lead to a lot of unhappiness, but not doing it would also lead to a lot of unhappiness because I had never really learned how to make choices for myself. Um, I had learned how to do very well inside of a system where these external demands are placed upon you and then you know i'd knock them out the park but they weren't really self-generated they were they were given to me and um and i think a lot of why, why I'm, I'm explaining that in details because i think i know especially based on a lot of the people that i work with i know that a lot of people have faced um similar challenges where it's like they've been taught what to do their whole lives and the distinction between what's actually authentic and true for them versus what they've been told to believe is really hard to discern. And when you start edging it, when you start testing the boundaries of those, it can get really uncomfortable because you know your whole life has been built and your whole belief structure has been built to support one thing when maybe it's not really true. So, um, I decided not to become a lawyer, but that then catapulted me onto this path that for five, six years outside of college was was just tr tremendously challenging. I mean, I experienced abject depression, um, had some substance abuse issues, made a lot of stupid <laughs> life choices for myself. Um, because I was just lost, super lost. And um, without going into all of it, I hit my version or a version certainly of rock bottom. And from that lowest of lows, decided that I was only going to do things that I cared about. Like if, if, if life wasn't really working too well for me at that phase, uh, so I really didn't have anything to lose. So I just decided, okay, I'm going to just do whatever I actually want to do, whatever is true for me. And, and no joke, within a few weeks of that, people started asking me to coach them because the one consistent thing throughout my 20s uh, post-college was my relationship to diet and, and lifestyle and health. Not, and when I say relationship, I mean like my devotion to it as a life practice. It was really the only thing that anchored me during a period of my life that was very chaotic, very confusing, and uh, extremely unstable, both financially and emotionally. And um, and so people asked me like to coach them, and I didn't know that that was an I didn't know what that meant. My idea of coaching at the time was like personal training, and I definitely wasn't a personal trainer, and and nor did I want to be. Um, but when I kept getting asked, it was like the it felt like the universe was like knocking on my door. So I, I eventually said yes. And, and when, when I got into the, the coaching, it wasn't just around nutrition and diet coaching because what became clear very soon into it was that there's so much more that's going on under the hood that influences our decision-making when it comes to like what to eat, what not to eat. A lot of us already have a pretty good understanding of like, this is categorically healthy and this isn't. So why do we choose the unhealthy thing over and over and over again? Or why do we overeat? Why are these patterns so deeply ingrained in us? And um, asking those questions got me really curious and you know, 
hence my career as um, <laughs> as the CEO of Evolution Eats uh, began, and, and and for a year, for a number of years, it was it was just me coaching people one on one. But slowly, I started to build up, you know, uh, an online presence and started putting my work out there. And from there, we we started building some programs and then uh, group coaching programs and. We've just been building out year after year after year, and every year it's been uh, doubling or tripling in success. And now we have a team to su to support our members, and it's um, it's God, you know, it, even still that this is this has become my norm, and and I don't I wouldn't possibly know any other way. It's still something that I'm incredibly grateful for, and mm. um, because it could have it, it was going so differently <laughs> for for a very long time, but what felt like an impossibly long time and uh, I'm just very honored that that this is my life and I get to do this really important work. Yeah and that's phenomenal and I think that's like one of the things I just love about what you're doing is it is this first of all just your attitude about it like you're here to give thanks and you're here to help people and you're not like your sole mission isn't to make a million dollars or two million dollars or beyond that um, but the other side of it that I love is the mindset end and mm. not even the mindset end, but attacking the emotions and really digging deep, like you said, under the hood. Yeah. Um, because most, you know, most people out there, they'll give you a diet plan and they'll say, well, you know, you have to eat this instead of this. But the reality is like, especially today, it's mostly compulsive eating and eating off of, off of emotion. Yeah. Um, so was that something that you figured out early on your own or was that something that you struggled with in your own life? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, part of part of the reason why uh, I'm doing this work and this I'm the founder of this sort of company is because um, it's because it's 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 all with it's all inside of me. It's all stuff that I've struggled with myself as well. Um, I grew up. <laughs> I grew up. Uh, I'm an only child and uh, come from an. an predominantly Italian family and uh culturally the Italians are like <laughs> big on food and eating and, and celebration and um and so that was pushed on me from a young age and you know I was I was given a lot of love from my Italian mama and I love her to death and food was part of the equation and because I was an because I was an only child and because both my parents worked full time I was left to myself a lot. So, you know, food became f fun. It, it became a friend, a, a very dependable friend. You know, I could depend on my friend to make me feel a certain way. And so I would develop what I called an abundant relationship with food. So it's no surprise that I grew up a fat kid. I wasn't obese. I was very active. My dad is British. And thanks to him, I, I was always very active in soccer, played a lot of sports. So it wasn't like debilitating by any stretch. And I don't want to come across that way. But, you know, um, that fear of taking off your shirt in the summertime, hating being shirts versus skins, hating going to the pool or the beach or whatever, because you're fat and kids make fun of you like that, even to this day, you know, even, I, I can get down to 5% body fat and still feel a little uncomfortable taking my shirt off, right? Like, like that, Mm. That is so etched into my identity that, um, you know, I, I, I know what it's, I know what it's like and, it, and it's really shaped, it's really shaped uh, who I am and, and what I deem as important. So, you know, so I grew up a fat kid, but what, what I bring to this work that I can very clearly piece back to my childhood is this idea of relying on food or depending on food as some sort of emotional support in, in your life, right? And, um, and, and I really believe that so many of us make choices when it comes to eating out of um, our emotion, out of having a certain set of emotional needs. A lot of them are impulsive, like I'm bored, I'm stressed, I'm tired, I'm sad, I'm whatever. And it's like, ah, just gotta do something to, to, to take care of that, right? obviously a misapplication of, of food's purpose, but there's also deeper layers to that. You know, like if you notice yourself inside of a pattern of overeating late at night because you're really bored or because you don't know what to do with your life and you don't want to ask yourself the question or you have asked yourself the question, but come up with blanks and you don't know how to 
you don't know how to source yourself. So what do you do? Well, it's easier to just eat something and it be, kind of becomes an automatic. Same goes if you're lonely. Um, you know, I'm single and I live alone. And I know that sometimes I eat because I just don't have anything else to do, right? Like that, that still comes up. That's still, that, that, even though I do this as a career and um, I'm still working on myself, like those old tendencies still rear their head from time to time. So, you know, we all have emotional needs. Some of them are impulsive. Some of them are way deeper. And it's not what I don't ever want to, uh, what I teach my, 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 my students and my clients is like to not make those emotional needs wrong, but to acknowledge that they're there. And then to, then what we do is to help them develop other practices, other habits in their life to give them what they need things that aren't eating, right? And typically things that are healthier for you. But this is all, this all goes to, um, to show that this is a lot more complex than just basically giving somebody a diet and saying, here, here's what to eat. Here's what not what to, here's what not to eat. Like, should be pretty easy, right? Like, yeah, on the surface, it should be pretty easy. We all have a general understanding of like, this is healthy, this isn't. But there's all this stuff going on emotionally, psychologically, that's having us choose the dif disempowered path or the unhealthy food time and again. And that's what I'm interested in because clearly dieting doesn't work, right? The dieting industry has ballooned in the past, you know, every decade more money is poured into it. So it's, it's in well into the uh, 10 figure range now, the dieting industry. And yet, if you look at the, the lack of health trends, like our obesity rates, diabetes rates, they're, they're growing, right? Mm -hmm. So if the intended solution for lack of health, if we're pouring more money into the intended solution for lack of health, that is dieting, but it's not only not working, it's getting worse, then clearly that's a big, that's a big problem. Yeah. And, um, and, it, and, and that, that really, that really motivates me. That really fuels me because, um, because that effect that so many people are affected by this. I mean, think about just general state of like big problems in life. Like our, our health is fundamental, elemental to your experience of life. So when, when we talk about peak performance and mastery and mindfulness and all this, it's like, what could be more important than developing a healthy relationship with yourself through developing a healthy relationship with health and you can't be healthy without having a healthy relationship with food you just absolutely you can't have one without the other so that's really what the focus of our coaching and our programs is is all about yeah and there's a ton i want to unpack from that um the first thing that kind of popped up so you were talking about how we we sometimes choose eating over being alone with our thoughts and like thinking through things and working through things and I just had that realization a couple of weeks ago that like, it's the same thing as technology. Like the reason so many people oh, are yeah. addicted to their smartphones is because they can easily pick them up and pass the time rather than thinking about what's going on in their own life and working through these issues. Yeah. Um, yes. It's this, it's this culture that, um, where the expectation is that everything is on demand and you are taught, I mean, you're taught that you should just, not only should you, but you, you easily can distract yourself all the time. Technology, you know, go, people can't even go to the toilet anymore without bringing their phone. And I, I'm, I'm just as like, I am often, walking around my apartment with my phone in my hand, even my own apartment, let alone outside. I never leave the place without my phone, but even around my own apartment, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Right? Like I'm, I'm addicted to this thing. And it's not even in It's so it's almost beyond an addiction. It's like, it feels like it's now an appendage. And if, if I'm without it, then something is wrong. Right? So it's, yeah, it's living inside of this culture society where the expectation is that, you are you can just distract yourself all the time you're always living inside of other worlds and you don't really need to look at your own shit <laughs> you yeah. don't have to 
and um, and food is just the same. And the fact that we can get food now through the apps, through everything, extremely easily, and you don't need an app to get, you know, to go around to the local gas station or whatever. Uh, there's food. Your drug of choice, whether you relate to it this way or not, is right around the corner, and it's ubiquitous. And there's nothing weird about it. People don't like people push it your way. In fact, and we use it to celebrate everything, right? Unhealthy food. It's a celebration. Great. You can be sure that there's a lot of shit there to be eaten, right? It's going to be pushed your way. So it's culturally um, implicit as well. And the thing that distinguishes like a, an eating addiction um, from other addictions is that you have to eat. So yeah. there's also the fact that you just have to do that in order to survive. So it becomes really complicated. Again, why this isn't so easy and why so many of us have a lot of trouble with it. Um, the problem is that a lot of people don't want to talk about it. See, a lot of people, we can talk about, we can talk about it when it's at the surface level. Like, oh God, I'm so out of shape. I need to lose weight. Like everybody talks about losing weight or having to do this new diet or trying this new thing. And, we love watching other people like be fit and watch fitness videos and feel really motivated. Like, so like, we like, we, we can, we can keep it. We can talk about it and look at it, but only at the surface. Nobody wants to really talk about, you know, the fact that they're often standing in front of their fridge, shoveling food inside their mouth, or they're addicted to sugar and they're like snacking all throughout the day and they just, they can't stop themselves. Or like, you know, they're, they're pristine during the day, but come night, you know, they just, they just lose it. They always, they, they can't help themselves. They go to the fast food place and then they go to another place and they order something on their app. Or, you know, even like my, my executive one-on-one clients who are traveling all the time and they're always in a hotel room and it's like, they get room service and then they get a bottle of wine with the room service. And then they order room service a second time. And then the third time, and all of a sudden it's two in the morning and they're just down that path of like pushing food in. And it's again, uh, it's it's so many of us deal with this and it's uh, and and we then deal with the residual embarrassment and shame around it like we we feel really shitty about ourselves and we, we i mean i can't tell you how many times my clients have said to me why do i do this i i should know like i know better i shouldn't do that sort of thing like like it's so stupid of me that i can't get this right time and time again mm -hmm. and um and so I, I think people feel a lot of shame around it and therefore they don't want to actually talk about the real underlying issues. So we have a culture obsessed with looking good and working out and all that stuff. And we can talk about weight. We're obsessed with losing weight as well, but nobody really wants to talk about why do you need to lose weight? Like, like, like what's causing you to be overweight, right? Like what are your patterns and habits and tendencies and, and what are we not talking about really? Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, so um, yeah. it's it is like it's tough, and I could go on and vent because this is something I'm super passionate about. Of like companies putting all of these addictive ingredients in their foods and making it even harder for us to break free of these patterns. Um, but I do want to spend a lot of time today really diving into that mindset aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess like plain and simple, because there's so much. Like, what pieces of advice do you have for people out there who have this unhealthy relationship with their food or who've, you know, they, they have these tendencies to overeat at night or to be addicted to sugar or mm. anything that's really detrimental to their health? Yeah. Yeah. Um, great question. So first of all, if, well, if you're having trouble, well, okay. To, th there's two big pieces that I really want to drive home. The first is that, you know, I, and this is my belief, so take it for what it is, but I do not believe that you can be successful in life if you're not healthy, right? Like if we think of, if you, if a lot of us are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If we're not, then <clears throat> it's a theory of, <clears throat> excuse me, psychological and emotional health predicated on fulfilling innate human needs from bottom up culminating in self-actualization at the very top. So at the bottom of this, of this, of this triangle is your, is your physical health and well-being. So it's really the bedrock of leaning of, of leading a meaningful and productive life. 
So like, no matter how successful you get in other areas of life, really what I'm talking about is money because a lot of us are, are driven by money and, and, and creating financial abundance and that's great, but like not at the expense of your health. Cause even if you get that, you're causing, and you're not being mindful of your health and you're not working on this, then like you're truly always, you're going to be out of alignment with yourself. Mm you know what it feels like to be out of alignment. And when it's on your body and the choices that you're making around your body, it, that's not, that's lack of, that's the lack of success. So if, if, if you're driven by success and that's fine, so am I. It's like, if you're not looking, if you're not actively working on your health and always working on it, then you're not practicing success in your life. And so with that, because it is fundamental, um, let's look at it as a practice, as a lifelong practice. And here's coming to the, to the main piece where this whole dieting industry gets it wrong and where, where people approach it with the wrong mindset is that we think of healthy eating as a goal that we have to accomplish. Yes. And so to spell that out for anybody who's like, what, what does that mean? A goal that we have to accomplish, meaning it's usually around weight loss, right? I have to lose X pounds by this date. So we, we take things on to create these results. And what ends up happening is that most of us actually end up not creating the results. But even if you do, what you've learned is you've only learned how to satisfy the, 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 the results that you're trying to create. You, you, you've only, you, you've a constrained, it's a constraint that doesn't apply to the rest of life. So it's kind of like cramming for a test. You might pull an all nighter and wake up the next morning and, and just like spill your brain onto the page or not wake up, just, just go right into the test and spill your brains onto the page because you've spent the whole night studying but then like forget everything the next day. And then by finals time, you've got to study all over again because you didn't learn a damn thing. So instead of approaching our health like a diet where we like cram and put a bunch of energy into it and then like break down and give up and, and forget, what if it was instead a skill that you practice and develop forever, right? Like like without end because the truth is that you don't just want to lose weight and be healthy for you know the next six weeks you want that forever you want to feel that command of and control of your body and your choices forever so the big the whole paradigm shift is to start thinking of your health and your eating habits your diet however you want to refer to it as as a skill right and if you look at how people learn any other skill, like an instrument, learning a language, et cetera, you see that there's a whole lifetime of practice and improvement and development that can occur, right? It's not just do it for a certain set of time and then forget about it. It's if you want to keep, if you want to maintain your standard of skill, you need to keep practicing. And if you stop practicing, you like your your ability deteriorates, right? So it's a, it's a downgrade. So you got to keep practicing. <laughs> and there, from that level of awareness, what my company helps people do is develop a lifestyle. I call it a life system of health, starting with the foundation of healthy eating, because as we've already talked about, we have to eat anyways. It's the most, it has the greatest impact on your health. And there's so much loadedness into it with our psychology, our mindset, our emotions, all of it, that it's a great place to start practicing. From there, we can generate other practices, other habits from that awareness. So it's like, if you were learning how to play the piano, you wouldn't just want to learn how to play the piano to play one song or, or one note. You would want to be able to play infinite songs you would want to develop your own style right you would want to be creating your songs not just playing other people's right there's a whole that in order to take that on you start with learning one note then you have to understand the music and then you have to in order to get better if you're if you're alien 
if you're if you're an, if you're uh, a novice and the whole thing is alien to you at the beginning it's like you're going to have to make a shit ton of mistakes in order to get better right there's no way of getting better than by practicing screwing up thousands and thousands of times probably recruiting the help of an instructor who knows what he or she is doing to guide you and to help you push past your own plateaus because you've just got so much to learn right and like you wouldn't it might suck to be bad but you wouldn't necessarily identify with your mistakes right like if you mess up a song you might say like god i should be better and that's frustrating but i'm not some abject loser because i can't play this bridge of a song but when people mess up on their diet it's hmm. like it's like the world is over and i might as well eat until monday so that like i can feel so shitty about myself that i'll necessarily feel motivated to start again right mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like what if we didn't identify so you know talk about a fixed mindset when you identify with your failures like that um people approach this whole dieting thing from the from, uh, with a fixed mindset which has you believing that you need to be perfect in order to be successful. And since perfection is impossible, which we all know, but if you think about perfection inside of a skill development uh, paradigm, then it's, it's also, not only is it impossible, but it's like not even a consideration. We all know that we're gonna mess up. So like, it takes the pressure off of having to, to, to be so right. And what we're then trying to, what we're then helping our people do, our, our members do, is, is to really learn about how to make this real for them, right? So habit building, overcoming old habits, you know, learning what diet works for you, because it's one thing to watch, you know, some motivational guy or gal online and be like, God, I want to do what she does. But it's another when you apply it to yourself. It might not make sense for you. And it might not make sense for where you are right now, right? Everything is an evolution, just like, you know, uh, you want to be able to play Mozart. Great. But when you're just starting out, can you even play a chord? Right. So it's like know where you are now versus where you want to be. It's good to know where you want to be, but we can't start where you want to be. And mm-hmm. that's the last thing I'll say about this is that a lot of people approach their diets they, by starting where they want to end up. So a lot of people start by like exercising five days a week, eating 200 to 500 calories below uh, uh, below deficit or below their current baseline, you know, being pristine with their meal prepping and their meal planning, everything, everything laid out and like never messing up. It's like, great. I want that for you too. But if you haven't demonstrated any of that consistently up until right now, what's, <laughs> do you really think that come Monday, you'll be able to just put that all into practice? No, it's going to take time habits are take a while to form and if you're starting all of these new things at once you're going to overwhelm because you literally haven't created the neural pathways to orient yourself as a sort of person who wakes up and then just naturally intuitively does these things right it, every single decision just like every every new note that you're playing is massively difficult and weird feeling at the beginning right like you like don't know how to organize yourself in relation to the instrument. It's the same thing when it's when you're learning how to build these habits inside of your life. You just because you decide, oh, I want to do it, it. There's so much that has to happen internally, and then from that place that you have to make choices to support on the outside. Like you have to then wake up at a certain time to give yourself more time to prepare for it. You have to get comfortable going to the gym in the morning before work and that like not throwing everything else off in your life. It takes time and effort and, uh, and, um, and, and we have to honor that truth. We have to honor the process of your development as we would any other skill. It's not some sort of six week program that you can just rush through. You can, but it's not going to stick. And if it's not going to stick, that means it's unsustainable. And if it's unsustainable, that means it's impossible. Unsustainable is a synonym for impossible. So ask yourself how many times you've tried to do this way, to do this in an unsustainable way. And you're basically writing yourself into failure and then repeated failure leads to hopelessness. And that's what really sucks. People start to feel hopeless that they, they can't do this. And I believe it's because there's just not a popularized system for how to do it the right way. 
So that's what my mission is with Evolution Eat is to really develop this life system of health um, that takes some damn some damn time to to practice and, and to put to to put into uh, to put into place. But um, um, yeah, I, I could keep talking forever, but I feel like I've just been talking for the past hour without it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll pause. I'll zip it for a second. Yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's all good. Everything said there was super, super valuable. Um, that's another thing. Like I love how you have a six month program and yeah. that's like so out there and I've talked to marketers and everything like that. And they always say like, Don't you know, do no, you should months. have, yeah. yeah, you should have a shorter program. You want to get people results as fast as you can. But like with nutrition with a lot of other stuff that's just like you said it's not it's not sustainable it's impossible well um, yeah i mean look like i can get you res- i can get anybody results in 3 months it's but what i'm really what i really care about is developing an entire life where you mm. don't have to you don't have to think about this anymore and it's the same way like once you can play the piano you're not thinking about every choice you make. It's just intuitively where you go. And you, and you, you like going there. Like right. piano players who started when they were eight years old and they still play when they're 60. Why do they play with their 60? Not because their parents told them to when they were eight, but because they love it. You know, it's, it's something that they, they identify as a piano player and identify with somebody who, who channels and exp- their emotions and expresses themselves through the piano, right? It's a really productive relationship that you have with yourself through this instrument. And that's my goal is to help have people help people develop whatever a healthy lifestyle means to them so that that becomes intuitive and not just intuitive, but something that they look forward to. It's one thing to go on a diet because you tell yourself that you have to lose weight and like willpower yourself through. It's another thing if you just do it because it's fun and you like it and you like yourself as somebody as a healthy person who does healthy things for him or herself. Right. Yeah. So that's a key distinction of being able to identify as a healthy person who does healthy things and like loving the process, loving the experience of it, feeling like you're expressing yourself through it. Mm. Yeah. It's like looking at the, the donut and instead of saying, Oh, like I can't have that donut. This sucks. And saying I'm living a healthier lifestyle. Now I'm going to feel better. I'm going to, have more mental clarity i'm gonna have more stamina like it's a blessing yeah like and do i am i gonna do i want to be the sort of person who gets like his or her jollies off from donuts on wednesday afternoons (laughs) you know like and it's not a judgment it's like look if 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 that's causing you that much excitement then that's something to really look at you have an opportunity to look at that and to say like wow what's off in my life that I'm putting all of this energy and baggage onto a donut. Mm. Seriously, right? Like, man, if that donut's getting you that stressed out or that amped up or that, like, woof, let's look at that for a second because that something's out of alignment there. Yeah. You know, have like a, an exercise that you use with your clients or something to help them dive deep and figure out kind of like what that baggage is. Yeah, I mean, I w- so uh, I would have you looking at all of your disempowered habits around food. Like, they tend to be pretty big, obvious categories. Like, late night eating is one of them, um, or incessant sugar snacking throughout the day is like those are the two big ones. Um, on the flip side, it could be the other. It could be the total other end of the spectrum where you like purposely play the game of how long can you go without eating um people who kind of tend towards the quote-unquote eating disorder spectrum which i have a problem with that word disorder but that's for another time Mm. um just to notice like what your tendencies are like like what are your main tendencies around food and then from there to start to dissect you know what are the conditions are you by yourself are you you know for example so for me if i were to do this uh do this exercise i would say okay when do i mostly overeat like there's overeating and then there's really going ham right when does that happen well it happens on uh historically it's happened either on weeknights when 
I have no clear stop time to when I'm working. I've gone, I've really worked on this part of my life, so I don't do this anymore. But like once upon a time, <laughs> not very long ago, I would just work, work, work forever. And I would never turn off. And like, I would get to the point where I'd be up so late and so tired that my primary motivation was to like keep going and keep working. And then it's like, do anything to continue working, right? Do any, so, and because I would be tired, I would like eat something because I just wanted to keep going. So, so, so that would be a pattern that, like, that played out consistently. I'm exhausted, I work late, and I want to keep working. I want to keep going. So I would eat to like make me feel good, give me some sort of excitement while I'm, while I'm overworking myself. And, you know, I would, I could identify what the emotion is that I, that I want for myself. And the, the, the emotion is relief. Like I want some sort of temporary relief from the struggle of working really hard into the night. And, you know, from there, there's then a micro and a macro choice that I, that I would make. So the micro choice is what to do instead in the moment, you know, like, like, I'm not going to change that whole pattern just because I'm aware of it now, but I can work, but, but I will work on changing the pattern. That's the macro. The micro is what can I do instead in that moment? Well, I can do a few things. I could go for a walk outside. Um, I could listen to a song. I could whatever, right? I could call a friend if it's not too late. Um, or I could go to bed, right? That's the obvious one. That's the big one. So the macro choice that I would be working on globally is not like not allowing, like creating more boundaries in my life so that I'm not working into midnight on a Wednesday because you know, as a general practice, because not only is that, ha for, is not only am I then overeating as a result, but it's throwing everything else off. That means that on Thursday morning, I'm gonna be waking up later than I really would have wanted to, uh, which has an impact on the way I show up for my clients, which has an impact on the way that I show up for my team. Or maybe then I don't do my normal workout on Thursday morning, but that has me all feeling screwed up because that's so important to me, right? Or I don't get to do my meditation or something, right? It, there's a chain of events that happen. So globally, my real thing that I'm working on is implementing more boundaries into my life so that I have clean and clear cutoff times that I'm going to bed by this time and it doesn't really matter. I'm going to go to bed because that's globally more important to me than getting this one thing done, right? So the, the, the macro thing that I'm working on is honoring myself and honoring um, my morning routine and my night routine, right? That would, of course, solve the problem. But in the moment itself, it's like I, I can develop a, a, a healthier micro habit that will help bridge the gap towards my getting there, right? So going for a walk instead of eating, you know, chocolate would be a healthier option. I'm not saying I shouldn't just placate myself by going on walks and, not, and ignoring the bigger thing, which is that I'm habitually overworking, but it's at least a healthier start and it's, it's cleaner to get there. So, you know, that's one of... of I could go on for, I could, I could give more examples, but I also don't, uh, I, I, I don't want to over, over speak either. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's a ton there. And obviously like, even if we wanted to, we couldn't cover everything in one episode. Yeah. Um, so say people find that deeper reason, or maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, do you have like specific techniques to kind of avoid cravings or is it literally what you just talked about? Like, kind of replacing it with something new yeah so substituting the habit for something new is um is is really big and mm. it's working on both it's the micro and the macro that are really important because the micro is the it's the micro habit that we do in the moment itself the macro is the deeper personal stuff right like like in that example it wasn't so emotionally deep but at the same time it could be because you know, I've, I haven't been in a, so do you want to go be full transparency? Like, here we go. Um, I haven't been in a real relationship in five years since my last very serious one. And 
part of my workaholism that I've, I've overcome a lot of the workaholism, but not all of it by a long shot. I'm not letting myself stay up until one in the morning on Wednesdays anymore, but I definitely work too much. Part of my workaholism is a direct result of my not having, not being inside of a relationship, right? So if I really wanted to work on that, then I would have to look at like that part of myself that um, has been avoiding relationship in my life and realize that my lack of relationship feeds my workaholism, which also feeds other unhealthy habits in my life, like overeating sometimes, for example, right? So you can go really deep into this. Mm -hmm. And then from there, talking about this, writing about this. I mean, what we have our people do is we're, we're expressing this stuff on a daily basis. You're not just going through our program by yourself. You're doing it with a coach and with a community. And what we're having you practice is, is literally expressing this stuff. You know, we, what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast was how a lot of people feel embarrassed and shameful around this overeating stuff and how it shows up for them. And, and we can talk about the surface level, but we don't really go deep. So just being able to talk about it has you then generate solutions for yourself. Whereas if you just leave it in here, it kind of, it doesn't have any feedback against which it can now create new ideas. Like you've kind of exhausted your own ideas of things at, by a certain point. And it just, and, and, and the context inside your brain is really mean and, 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 and denigrating, right? Like you, mm -hmm. like you go out of your way to denigrate yourself. And so instead of having that repeated conversation where you just crush yourself over and over again, Let's talk about it. Let's let it out. Let's express ourselves, right? Let's get into the practice of expressing ourselves so that we can then generate new ideas and create better solutions that are more integrous and more in alignment with what you really want for yourself. Because it might not be utterly clear, like I've been doing this work for a while, but it might not be utterly clear to somebody that they're not being in a relationship is feeding their overeating habits, right? especially if it's like a chain, if it's like a line of events or a line of association where it's like living alone uh, or, or living alone, being, being alone uh, feeds workaholism, which is a reason like, a, like an, an avoidance of relationship, right? Like, wow, not everybody would be able to just kind of come up with that on themselves by themselves. Mm -hmm. So being in conversation around this stuff is really important, um, which is why, when you practice and you develop a new skill, you typically don't do it by yourself. You typically have some sort of instructor or an expert who you, or a coach or whatever that who you're working with so that you can be in conversation around it. You know, like if you're developing a new language, you literally have to, it's, you can't just study and write it. You have to speak it. It's the same thing. You have to be speaking it, doing it, practicing it, manifesting it on the outside. So if you're going to go through a transformational life experience, like, transforming your relationship with food and health, you can't just do that in a silo by yourself. I mean, I suppose you can, I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't say you can't do it, but it's very challenging to do mm. anything like that by yourself, especially because the deeper you go, the more you'll see there's a lot of emotions that are, that are influencing us and that um, are, yeah, are having an impact on why we are or aren't doing certain things or are or aren't making certain bigger life choices. You know, it's no surprise that a lot of our members who do our work with us for a while, they then feel empowered in a way to make huge life choices. This isn't just about weight loss. This is like feeling, feeling empowered to move across the country start that business, divorce that spouse who you've been in an unhappy, unfulfilled marriage, you know, go travel the world for the first time in your life. Um, when you practice the habit every day of showing up for yourself, of filling your own cup first, of giving yourself health, it has such a massive impact, not just on how you look and how you feel, but in what you then believe is possible for your life, right? Because you're, gen you're, you're developing this practice of improvement. <laughs> you're developing a practice of energy, of energizing, of opening up, of expansion. 
right? What it, confidence. What do you feel when you feel healthy and you feel like, God, I'm on my game. Like you feel like possibility. So when you practice that, you enter into the rest of your life with a confidence of like, well, I actually can do that thing that I've been telling myself I can't do forever. I actually could move across the country or I could start that business because I've just been, before I had no practice of health with self, but now it's like I'm doing it every day. Part of my identity is somebody who really takes care of himself. So of course I can go take care of this other thing. It might be bigger, feel bigger or big and scary, but like I just tackled this one thing and I'm doing it every day. And I also know that it's probably going to take some time for me to make that choice. It's not just going to be like one fell swoop and done. So I'm, I'm more liable to, to taking on like a long-term approach in creating that, that, that result in my life as opposed to just wishing it would happen, which is what a lot of us do. We, we end up dreaming our lives because we just wish that they would just snap into place, right? But nothing really works. There's almost nothing operates through a lottery paradigm. It's often through, you know, a lot of effort and... Uh, time and perhaps some work, but the, it doesn't feel like work when you actually look forward to it and enjoy it and feel fulfilled by it. Hmm. That, oh man, amazing. And I honestly wish we could talk about this stuff like for hours. Um, I do want to shift over right before we wrap up. Uh, I know you have like a really, really epic morning routine and I would love to just hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, so I live uh, in Santa Monica, which is uh, a part of Los Angeles, right by the water. Uh, I live like two blocks from from the beach, and um, every morning I wake up at four forty five, and after like basic <laughs> self care and bodily management, I um, I run down to the beach, which, yes, is two blocks away, but there's there's actually this highway that separates the beach from the land, and so you have to cross over this landmass. It's about, give or take, a mile run down to the actual front of the water, and so I'm running there. It's still dark, and um, uh, I, I I plop myself down right in front of the, the water's edge where the water kind of curls up to the sand, and... Um, I meditate under the, under the stars, under the moon and with the, uh, the Santa Monica pier in the background. So I'm not sure if you've ever, if you ever played Tony Hawk, the video game, or have ever seen shots of Los Angeles, they usually show the Santa Monica pier. So that's like off in the distance. And because it's dark, it's all lit up. <laughs> it's just this really funky scene. And I, I, I meditate, I meditate for like probably 30 minutes and then um, and then I, as I'm, as I'm, as I'm complete, I, I, you know, stare off into the ocean. I take my shirt off, uh, and I just trudge out into the freezing cold water by myself. There's nobody else around, um, except for the few homeless people who are sleeping on the beach. It's cold. It's dark. It's weird. It's scary you know despite having done, been doing this for three three years now it's never comfortable and it's never it's always scary like like it's it's just it's yeah there's just this like intense confusion that like why are you doing this inside but but it's so awesome at the same time it's visceral it's guttural and you know what happens and what what the is that I experience this breakthrough every morning. It's, it's like breaking through that edge of discomfort into the bliss of it, right? Like after that initial like, oh, it's freezing cold and oh, you, you can barely, barely get your breathing intact. And then it's like, I, I dive under a number of times. And after, eventually after diving under like over and over and over again, I make myself stay under so that the water is just, just up to my neck and I, my shoulders um, are, are submerged. Like you break through and all of a sudden that which was uncomfortable and scary and, and freezing is like beautiful and blissful. And it's a really powerful metaphor for life, I think. And it's, um, God, it's just an epic way to start the day, l literally every day. And you know, the, the lesson that I 
therefore wake up to every day is like to make it as cliche as possible. You know, Ryan Holiday said it back, best is that the obstacle is the way. It's like the thing that you fear or the, that you fear the most or that the difficult thing to do is also that which is going to feed you and, and fill you and fuel you and give you life. And so I get to start that you know, every day basically with that really important reminder. And then I get to craft the rest of my day from that, you know, from that, from that awareness. And it's, um, it's been just a, a hugely life-changing um, relationship that I've, that I've built that, that with my, with the, with the beach in the morning and my time, nobody else is there. And uh, I don't go, I'm not like a beat, even if I, I, my hair's all ponytailed up right now, but like I've got long hair now. I'm so LA compared to my New York days. I look so LA, but I'm still, I'm not really like a beach guy. I don't go to the beach for fun. I don't have any other relationship with the beach. I don't surf. I don't do any of that. That's my time though Mm. in the morning. And it's, it's, it's purely my time. So um, yeah. So from there, you know, I still have, it's still so early in the morning when I'm done that I then run home and, um, like I said, I get to create the rest of my day from, from that place. And it's, it's helped me accomplish a, a lot that I have in these past few years. Love it, man. That, the phenomenal. I can't even imagine. Um, the ocean is like one of my biggest fears and the ocean at night is like the biggest <laughs> fear. It's insane. It, oh, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It never, it, like I said, it never gets, um, it never gets comfortable. And, you know, every, a few times I've come across, uh, across paths with, with, with sea animals, like, um, like a sea lion or, uh, a seal dolphins. <laughs> and it's, you know, you, it's like, I, it's terrifying. Cause I imagine yeah. the worst, you know, and I see a dolphin fin coming out of the water, you know, you, you, <laughs> the first oh, time man. that that happened, I freaked out and I, I did everything that you're not supposed to do and I just like <laughs> ran and splashed and it was like get me out of here so um yeah it's 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 hard to do in the dark I'll tell you that <laughs> yeah absolutely insane um before we wrap up I have some rapid fire questions and before that you have a free course on mastering your diet and lifestyle right yes yes I, I do if you go to evolution eat that's all one word eat e-a-t dot com forward slash join the word join then um you can sign up for that and yeah it's it's uh it's a we used to sell this course for like 200 bucks and we decided you know what uh for us coaching is our business and so let's give this away for people to get to really get acclimated with our philosophy and with our principles and to start getting to work on them uh, on themselves with wherever they're at right now Uh, it's a really great distillation and simplification of, of our main uh, of our main ideas and how we approach this work. So I encourage anybody who's gotten anything out of this podcast to check it out. Uh, it's totally yours for free. And if you wanted to ever set up a, a free coaching call, um, there's a bunch of links to do that inside of the the program as well. That's incredible, man. And I'm going to throw that in the show notes and I encourage anyone who's, yeah, if you got something out of this or anything, definitely go check that out. Um, so a couple of rapid fire questions. First of all, where can people find you? Uh, EvolutionEat.com, uh, the Evolution Eats Instagram. I have a personal Instagram as well, but I pretty much never use it. I'm not much for social media, despite people telling me for years that I should be. For my, my team has helped me with the Evolution Eat stuff for the, for the Instagram. So yeah, one, either of those two places, you can email us um, through the website or DM us through the Instagram channel. Perfect. Um, do you have a favorite book? Oh yeah. Uh, my favorite fiction book is, uh, I've got a bunch, but historically it's been the sun also rises. And actually I have the last line I'm, I'm, for anybody who's watch who's listening, like this doesn't make a difference. And for anybody who's watching, it probably doesn't make a difference either. <laughs> I have one tattoo and the tattoo is the last line of the sun also rises by Hemingway. And it's, the line is, isn't it pretty to think so? And for me, this quote is a reminder of a younger version of myself who lived his life dreaming about 
all that he was capable of. I used to be the sort of person who would think, oh, isn't that pretty, isn't it pretty to think so? Instead of being a man of action and going out mm. and creating it. So it's a reminder, uh, it's a reminder of that younger part of me, the dreamer, um, to, to put his dreams into action and to do something about it. I love it, man. Amazing. Um, and then I have a little segment on the show called My Current Obsession. And I want to know if there's anything that you are currently obsessed with. And it could have nothing to do with food. It could be a person, a place, a weird. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I'm obsessed. Uh, I've recently, within the past three months, become obsessed with marathon running. I've never been a long distance runner in my ever. The lo- Up until three months ago, the longest I ever ran was maybe five miles. And that would have been like once or twice. Uh, I have been a sprinter. I would do like high intensity interval training for, for, for training. And, um, you know, I've, I've had a long and healthy relationship with, with going to the gym and weightlifting, but I've never been a long distance runner. And apropos of pretty much nothing, perhaps other than listening to David Goggins on a few different interviews, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to give this thing a go. And I started running. So I, I, I gave myself the challenge of running a half marathon without any training. And I did it. And it was so challenging, but so awesome that I decided from there to sign up for a marathon in six weeks, which I ran um, in June. And then just, well, it's, it's, it's the end of J- July now. Uh, and just last weekend, I ran my second marathon and I beat my first time by 32 minutes and I'm only wow. 10 minutes away of qualifying for Boston. So I ran it in three hours and eight minutes, which is which is pretty fast for somebody who's only been doing this for, so I've, I've loved it. And my rate of development is pretty good. If I, like, if I, if I do it, if I, if I, if I can be so, uh, if I, if I can say so myself, so I've just totally poured myself into it. And I guess the, the important thing to, 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 to share and why this is obviously an obsession is that, I've given myself the challenge, the long-term challenge, since I'm always about the long-term, of running 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 months. So wow. I've, I've got two states down, South Dakota and Oregon, and uh, I've got 48 to go in 48 months. I'm going to run Idaho in August. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm truly obsessed. So that's incredible. Yeah, you. All my friends are sick of me because all I talk about <laughs> is running, running all the time. So it's like, if there's any, I don't know if I've ever been obsessed about anything quite as much as this, to be quite honest. That's amazing. Um, and then we talked about a lot today, and I'm big on actionable steps. I don't like overwhelming people. Um, mm-hmm. So if there was someone out there who maybe struggles with their eating habits or they they're ready to improve their health. Um, what's one actionable step that you would give them? Uh, the first I would say is go, go sign up for the course because it, it's, it will give you a whole, it will give you a whole mental uh, mapping for how to go about this, but that's not what you're asking. So that, that would be number one. Number two, I would say, don't, don't approach this like a diet. Instead, let's approach this as a practice. And if we approach it as a practice, we have to get, we have to get really clear and clean on the fundamentals. So the fundamentals of leading a sustainable and healthy life um, with a sustainable and healthy diet is to make sure that you're eating enough. Most people will start this process by eating way too little, and then they'll confuse their metabolic demands, their metabolic needs, and they'll just psych themselves out. So let's practice the rule of three. Three healthy meals every day, each meal consisting of a healthy protein, a healthy fat, and a healthy vegetable. Yes, even breakfast. And people are always going to say like, well, isn't intermittent fasting healthy and this and that? It's like, yes, it is. But it's more of like an expert level strategy. Mm -hmm. So let's first just establish a baseline of fundamentals. If you're eating three healthy meals every day, consisting of healthy protein source, healthy fat source, and green vegetables, you're doing pretty damn good. That's likely going to have you craving unhealthy foods less and you'll feel way more empowered to choose no uh, for the co- for the um, for the office donut 
than if you're hungry or like trying to, you know, push yourself through eating really low calorie because you really want to lose weight really quickly. It's like, let's do things the opposite way than we've usually approached this, right? So let's establish some clean and consistent fundamentals and principles from which later on, once that's practiced and, and easy for you to, to, to command, then we can decide, you know what, do you need to be eating that much? What works? Maybe that would be a good time to, you know, to try the no breakfast thing. It's like, let's just remember where we're at along the process and, and never sacrifice the fundamentals because without it, you're never going to be anchored. And if you're not anchored, then you're just floating in the wind. Mm. And then do you have a final message for the people listening? You know, for me, my life's, uh, my life's pursuit is mastery of the self. And for me, that's the ultimate form of love because, um, like I noticed how at various points, I noticed how many things I was doing usually compulsively or impulsively or habitually, or just because it's always been that way that weren't at all loving to myself and wasn't significant indicative of the man who I want to be. So I invite you to take on mastery as a way of life, not from a place of performance or like it's supposed to be this way, but from a place of, of love and honoring yourself and your time on this planet. Oh man. So awesome. man! Daniel Thomas on everybody. Make sure you check him out. And Daniel, thanks for coming on, man. This has been amazing. Hey man, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. I truly enjoyed myself. Thanks so much, Skylar. Absolutely.